What's well, everybody? You are listening to List It, my podcast, where me and a guest rank and list things in pop culture. And I'm really excited about my guest today. He's one of my favorite writers, actors, and comedians. His name is Blake Anderson. Now, you probably know him from the hit comedy series Workaholics, which is crazy. It debuted 10 years ago this month, which is, is crazy to think about. It was also recently announced that Paramount Plus is making a new Workaholics movie, which I cannot wait for. But you, all, you probably also have seen Blake in uh, the Netflix action comedy Game Over Man, which which he wrote and starred in, which is hilarious, and I think we're gonna we're gonna talk about some of the things in that movie on today's uh, episode of Listed here. Uh, but he's also stars in the animated adaptation of the cult comic book series, The Freak Brothers. He serves as a writer and an actor in the Adult Swim series, Tigtone, and he stars in the Hulu series, Woke. And you've got to check out his podcast that he ho- co-hosts with the Workaholic guys. This is important. Blake Anderson, welcome to Listed, man. Woo! You really rolled out my accomplishments. I'm like usually like these. I'm a lazy bag of bones, but it sounds like I've been <laughs> Rick Ross boss working, baby. I was gonna say, dude, you're you're a busy man. You you know what? It, I think it sounds better on paper. I'm really pretty chill over here. <laughs> I, I, well, I find time to do nothing for sure. Well, well, Blake, I'm super stoked you're you're going to be on. We were talking uh, off uh, before we started rolling. We're going to talk through five of your favorite '90s comedies, and the reason I thought this would be a fun idea to to talk to you about is because you know if people have watched any of your work, you can definitely see influences and references, and even actors from that decade yeah. kind of show up over and over. And we're around the same age, and yeah. I think we probably grew up watching a lot of the same movies. And movies have evolved. I think every Every person, like as an adult, especially when they kind of get to their mid late thirties, thinks about the time when they were watching movies as kids. It's like the greatest time for movies. But when it comes to comedies, dude, the nineties, it just felt like they it, they played really fast and loose. You could get away with a lot, and oh, yeah. you know it, there was just so many interesting things happen. Tell me a little bit of what role kind of movies played in your life during that decade. Oh, I mean, like, well, the guys kind of razz me a bit about it on this is important on our podcast because I'm always repping pretty hard for the nineties. And when yeah. you kind of dropped this list on me, I was just like trying to put together a list of five. And like, I it's so hard because so many movies, comedy movies specifically from the 90s are just like what makes me who I am today. There's just yeah. so much influence that I did gather from those years. And, you know, these were this was the era, era of like a VHS and DVDs where you would just watch movies on loop and memorize yeah. them. And yeah. like, it, it's just like, that was just what it was. You came home from school, you threw in whatever movie and you watched it for the 800th time. So yeah. Yeah. It, and, and it, so many great, like iconic comedians were, were just running the game. And it was a, it was a golden era for comedy movies for sure. Yeah, I remember there was a period from like, I don't know, like eighth grade, probably through my junior year of high school where every like party or sleepover, at least one room had either Tommy Boy or Dumb and Dumber, just like mm-hmm. playing. And people, you could just, or like Billy Madison, or you could just pop in and it would be, you know, these movies that everyone knew every line. Now, at the time, kind of SNL, you had like the Wayne's World mm-hmm. movies, you had all the Adam Sandler stuff blowing up, mm-hmm. obviously. Um, you know, Chris Farley, David Spade were having huge moments in the 90s. Were you a big SNL guy? Absolutely. I remember, I mean, it was kind of a little, because... The 90s were dope. 2000s carried over, too, with some great comedy. And that was kind of more of my SNL cast was like the Will Ferrell generation. But I definitely grew up like all of our dads would be like, oh, SNL, you like that's my stuff. Like kind of (laughs) we were kind of on the tail end of that, like Sandler, Farley. And and yeah, yeah, you just you, you worshiped everything those guys did. They were just so hilarious. And not to mention, like and I think we'll see with all the movies we named it was like the movies were pretty dumb like stupid just like the height (laughs) of like just silly unbelievable characters just acting almost inhuman but that it was such a cool separation of like you're obviously watching a comedy right now it's so dumb and out of this world and you you're just there to laugh you don't 
you don't really come away with <laughs> you come away with the very obvious lesson that was injected by the notes from whatever studio. But other yeah. than that, the movies are dumb as hell. And I, I just love them. Yeah, I mean, some of them are basically cartoons with actual people. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, there's there's kind of that that slapstick nature. But then they also had kind of this revival of kind of smart, but kind of the gross out stuff. Like the Farley Brothers were doing, mm-hmm. you know, something about Mary, Dumb and Dumber. You know, they they ripped off kind of just a string of these insane movies, and they they've kind of evolved in an interesting way. But were you a fan of their work uh, back in the nineties? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, what uh, that was like something uh, or um. Um, me, myself, and Irene, right? Yeah. That was like, yeah. uh, that was kind of like a sleeper. A lot of people don't know, but that has like extreme watchability. And like some of the jokes on that are just hilarious. But again, I, I, you know, and we'll cover it, I'm sure. But I just worshipped at the altar of Jim Carrey for sure. He's just like oh, I- one of the most influential comedians of all time. Were you an In Living Color fan? Like, I remember for a time they came on like FX when I was a kid. Like, we, I didn't watch it like when it was in its prime, but they would do like syndication. And I mm-hmm. kind of discovered it as like a 12 year old being like, this, this guy, Jim Carrey's the funny. And every, that whole cast, the Wayne Brothers, everyone oh, was yeah. funny. Were you a Living Color guy? Absolutely. Like, I do remember I was, I was super young when it first came out and I made a point. Like, I saw the commercials and I'm like, a sketch comedy. Like, I was already infatuated with like sketch comedy and all that. I'm like, oh, I'm going to watch that that was one of the first programs that my mom like sat in and watched it with me and was like you can't watch this show it's too naughty and i was like what no like i I don't understand these jokes don't worry i'm laughing more at like the facial expressions of tommy lee davidson and and jim carrey i'm not laughing at like that i'm not getting the sex jokes mom trust me like these are lost on me this will never show up at a later time in my life i swear to you mom yeah yeah, it's not going deep into the recesses of my mind trust me (laughs) well blake let's go ahead and jump into your list man i know it's probably hard to narrow it down but what'd you come in at number five for your favorite 90s comedy Okay, well, I kind of like kind of had to uh, engineer like cheat code one this in because the first uh, movie of this series was in the late 80s. But I think it it's probably my favorite movie of all time. So to kind of shoehorn it in and give it yeah. homage, I'm going with Naked Gun two and a half. Oh. <laughs> which <laughs> a great, a great yeah. sequel to a, a great original movie. Uh, I'm just like. Leslie Nielsen was just an absolute like titan to me. Like, and, and even all this, like, these are, this is one of those movies that was just so stupid. You could go for any joke. It was like literally watching like a cartoon. It was kind of a continuation of like what airplane was bringing to the table. But then those naked gun movies spun out into like spy hard and wrongfully accused. (laughs) And like, just, I loved, loved, loved these like, just super, super stupid movies where you could make literally any joke and reality was out the window. Yeah. And the, the great thing about those movies, you know, they really don't really make them anymore. I feel like that's kind of become the domain of like kind of YouTube, these like parodies. Mm-hmm. But there was also, you know, even like the ones that maybe weren't the same acclaim, like the Hot Shots. I remember there's a scene in like Hot Shots Part yes. 2, which yes. is another kind of action movie parody where yes. Saddam is like sitting there drinking a pina colada mm-hmm. and like a bomb, an undetonated bomb. His lap. To- yeah. And I remember as a kid thinking, this is, it does not get funnier than this. But Leslie Nielsen was the same way. It was like this physicality, yeah. but also kind of smart parody. Because obviously, I'm sure if you were like me, we would sneak into Blockbuster and get the action movies. And to see it sent up, it was, it was just mind blowing as a kid. Oh, yeah. And I didn't even have reference to the, the actual, like, action movies like i knew who rambo was but i had never watched any (laughs) rambo it was too violent for me but i'm watching hot shots like i get every joke i guess that like whole world of that type of movie was just so funny to me and i think you know it eventually i don't know if it evolved but it came back with like scary movie or like don't be a menace in the hood while drinking uh, juice in south central or whatever yeah yeah. you know where it was just like yeah anything goes so funny like ridiculous just ridiculous and there's so many jokes in those movies that even if you're you can watch them now and you you see new ones every time or you're like oh that's what that reference was like i had no clue at all 
and it, it, it feels like it feels like Leslie Nielsen has sort of gone underappreciated in oh, yeah. you know like because there was a time where it was like every few months a new Leslie Nielsen parody would come out and mm-hmm. everyone delivered it is kind of weird that there, he doesn't have more of a legacy kind of among modern comedians I I want to say that like if you really you know go go and have a chat with like comedy heads like he is yeah. kind of like an underground legend but I think one of the reasons that he isn't like, you know, a Mike Myers or a Jim Carrey is because his whole shtick was that he didn't play it for comedy. Leslie Nielsen is funny in those movies because he's playing it 100% like it's an actual movie. He's, (laughs) He's clueless to the dumb stuff he's saying or the world around him. He's just like almost, you know, he's, He's playing the dumbest character, but like yeah. not acknowledging that fact at all. Yeah. He's a well, cop in most of them or like he's wanted <laughs> for murder. It's like your stakes are very high, but yeah. your world is so zany. It's just yeah. like it's hilarious. Well, you know, you guys did Game Over Man, which is, it's not really a parody, but it's certainly it, there's elements of parody. You know, it, when you look at movies like Die Hard or mm-hmm. kind of uh, there in a lot of the movies that Die Hard would later inspire. And, yeah. you know, how much were you kind of thinking about the legacy of someone like Leslie Nielsen, who took a genre that, you know, when he was sending up like Lethal Weapon or whatever, there was a degree of self-awareness Lethal Weapon, just like there's a degree of self-awareness like Die Hard and some of those action movies. So in order to parody it, you really have to ratchet it up. When you guys are doing Game Over, man, how much was that in your mind of like, man, it is kind of a delicate balance sending up that genre? Oh yeah, absolutely. And like the 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 backbone of that movie, yeah, it's 100% diehard. We're super aware, but that's also, you know, the the four of us came together and we're like, "Hey, what is the most perfect movie of all time?" It's, it's easily yeah. it's diehard. It's like <laughs> yeah. it's 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 pretty damn flawless. And yeah. you know, a lot of that was coming from, you know, you you have budgetary restrictions, so you say, "Well, can how can we pull off a movie with very limited locations? Because locations cost money, you know? But like, it's yeah. like, well, what if it all takes place in one spot? Like, what's the movie, the best movie ever that takes a place in one area? It's yeah. Die Hard. So we're like, okay, let's write a little hotel movie and, and get crazy with it. Yeah. Well, dude, I loved it. I, I watched it the day it came out. And it, it and again, I it, it had so many of the hallmarks of, of what I love, but it walked the line of it kept the stakes high. Obviously, mm-hmm. these guys are trying to thwart this crazy hostage situation. And there there are violence, but there's that zaniness that makes you, you know, be able to taper that tension that the stakes mm-hmm. create. I mean, there, there are, you know, bad guys killing people just like in Die Hard. But it really that makes the jokes all that much more impactful because it's a relief of that tension. It seems like absolutely, yeah, absolutely. And I think we wanted to play in the realm of like that of that rated R area. You know, we're making a movie. You know, the gloves are yeah. off. What can we get away with? Yeah. Well, there's a scene, and I want to I want to talk about Daniel Stern at some point in this mm-hmm. uh, pod, but th- he has a great moment in that scene, and he's one of my favorite, uh, uh, you know, kind of comedian, underrated comedians of the of the '90s. And Absolutely. I'm sure we'll get to him later in the list, but uh, you know, I, it, that is such a phenomenal movie, and it did feel like you're carrying on the legacy of what Leslie Nielsen did with movies like The Naked Gun. So, absolutely, uh, thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> yeah, man. Okay. All right. Number. What's the, what do you got on number four on your list? Okay, number four. I think. I kind of um, just chose this one because I, I I watched it so much and I would just have to address another comedy legend's uh, legacy. I, I, I picked the movie Biodome. I went with Biodome, oh. number four, just <laughs> oh. off of... I watched that movie so many damn times. <laughs> Pauly Shore just, just killing it without his hair. He showed it could be done without his prop hair. So to me, that also even speaks to my soul. I'm waiting for my uh, in the army now biodome moment where I shave my head (laughs) and people still see me as a comedy legend. So I just thought that was a very brave performance from Mr. (laughs) Well, I'm I'm glad you brought it. There was a time when like we would do like Friday nights. My parents would just drop me and my brother at the video store and be like, all right, you got 10 minutes, come out. And we'd both grab like one Nintendo game game or Sega or whatever, you know, because mm-hmm. you could rent, the, you know, simpler times Absolutely. and then one movie. And whenever we couldn't find a movie, like we were just like, I don't know, it would always be Biodome. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Dude, like, I still, and- yes, even in that, I, in the video 
video store, I still remember the exact like the the cover of that movie is just a fisheye lens of like Stephen Baldwin and Pauly Shore, like ah, and you're just like it also it might be the most 90s vibe movie on my <laughs> list. Like from the like style, the music, like the soundtrack was all like alternative rock. It just has this, the, the colors of the movie. It just feels very 90s. Even like yeah. the setup of like the biodome and the science, the new science of like being <laughs> in tune with the environment. It was like, yeah. this is such a 90s flick and I mean, it's it's about due for a remake too. So if anybody's listening and wants to put me in that one, I think I can knock it out. Of the Dude, park. I totally watched. Well, I want to. If it's cool, I want to have the Paulie Shore conversation because he oh, was yeah. this this it's figure. Cool. It, I welcome it. it. <laughs> like I remember, like every time he would put out a movie, so it was like Son in Law, where mm-hmm. he is. You know, he has to. He his girlfriend. You know, has this father who he has to go impress before they get married in the army now with Andy Dick, which yes, is uh, David you Allen know, Greer. Uh, yeah. Uh, what's the one where he was uh, in jail or on jury duty? Oh, um, it's called Jury Duty. You jury just nailed duty. it, which yeah. is great. And that one has a really crazy twist at the end. Check that one out, guys. Jury Duty is a thriller. Uh, but you know what popped him off, which could have easily made my list, was like Encino Man, dude. He plays yeah. like the buddy in his Encino Man. And you were just like, whoa, who is this dude in like pink mesh tops? Just like yeah. slaying it with his, is squeezing the juice. And you're just like, <laughs> I, why, I love him. Why do I love him yeah. so much? I just love him. It, it was like, he had that same energy and I'm glad you brought up Encino Man because, you know, but prior to that, I think he was just kind of MTV VJ sort mm-hmm. of, uh, you know, and again, that was a time when, every afternoon kids would just turn on MTV and see what's going on. And you'd see Pauly Shore kind of at spring break. And he mm-hmm. had this energy that I think the only guy that I remember when there was that movie, Orange County that came out uh, probably early two thousands and Jack Black had yes. a small role in it, but yes. it was like every time Jack Black was on screen, all wanted you more. wanted w- was that just the Jack Black character. Exactly. And Pauly Shore brought that same energy to Encino man. And it really launched his, his kind of comedy career. How much of an influence, was his kind of that energy that he brings to you know every time he's on the screen how much was that an influence on you personally well i mean yeah i think that's kind of that's kind of the way like movie 101 if you get the funny guy small funny guy role in any movie and you really crush your role there's a good chance that back in the day a studio would see that and be like hmm who is this kid like let's let's put him in 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 his own picture you know what i mean so i guess like with with people like Jack Black or Pauly Shore and when they were coming up, it was like, yeah, that is inspiring. It shows you take those small roles, you really put your stamp on them and people will see that, that and demand more. Like, you know, I get sure. I get comparisons to Pauly Shore all the time, purely off my hair, but I'm like, dude, my career doesn't even like, even though we rattled off, I'm, I'm staying busy enough. Pauly Shore was the star of like five movies like a blockbuster movie dude what like absolutely killed it for whatever you want to like you know throw dirt on his name for being whatever like a dork or you know a sign of the 90s but he really did kill it like like an unbelievable run for a for a comedic actor to 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 go that far it's it's crazy it really was. It was until like Adam Sandler maybe came along with like Billy Madison and 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 Happy Gilmore. Some I'm sure Adam Sandler at some point will will come up in some way on this list. But like you know, it was until that sort of torch passing. You know, you had Chris Farley rip off a couple. Uh, you know, obviously it was it tragically lost them before you know right when he was kind of ascending. But mm-hmm. yeah, for a while it's crazy to think Paulie Shore was like the biggest comedy draw in the world, and yeah. his movies. Some of them still like there are still scenes that I think about and still laugh about. You know? Oh my God! Yeah, dude. He. I mean, uh, uh, Encino Man, Biodome. There, they all have. Uh, I would. I need to revisit them at this point. I'm sure they've aged just the right amount amount of like bad, <laughs> poorly. That jokes yeah. have gotten funnier for being so terrible. It's uh, it's definitely worth a rewatch of the Pauly Shore catalog. 
Yeah, absolutely. Well, as you're kind of going through your list, I want to throw a couple movies at you uh, along the way. To, I to would kind love of see. that because, like I said, like whittling it down, it's, it was so hard. I, I kind of put things that mean stuff to me. I might miss some true titans. No, but, well, I, and even some non-titans that I just think are interesting to talk about when I think about comedy that kind of shaped a lot of people sort of in our generation. Mm-hmm. And, and if this is going to be a very corny pick, and some of it goes into the 80s, love but it. I'm curious of your take. Do you have an earnest take? Like, did you... You, dude. Like every, oh, you're blowing in my, my house. In my house, dude, it was like <laughs> know what I mean? Ernest Goes to Camp was just one of the DVD. Was one of like dude, one when of the he VHS that, the turtles at the end. Come on, <laughs> that is one of the best endings to a movie. They like thwart they the construction. Ain't gonna get this camp. <laughs> they ain't gonna get this camp. So, I was really, really, really debating the Ernest movie. I was gonna put on my list. That was just the shit to me. Was Ernest Goes to Jail? That movie, okay. which. Is it's super divisive because in in my mind that movie was absolutely out of control and I loved it and I watched it constantly. But I was talking to Anders Holm from Workaholics. Yeah. This is important. My my comedy partner and he has a very specific memory that Ernest goes to jail was the first time that he watched a movie and he came away saying, "I just watched a movie that wasn't good." Like that was his memory of a, a bad movie. And I'm like, yeah, wait, what? Ernest goes to jail? Like, yeah. are you kidding me? But when you look back, yeah, I could see that. If you look at the plot of the movie, he's wrongfully accused. He's put into prison where there's people like trying to murder him. Meanwhile, yeah. the person who did the murder, who looks exactly like him, played by um, Jim Varney, like the same dude, is yeah. living his life as an evil Ernest. He just has slick back hair, but it's yeah. what it is. Ernest actually gets sent to the electric chair. He gets the <laughs> death penalty. This is a kid's movie. This yeah. is a children's movie. But here's the best part. He doesn't die. He gets super sick X-Men electricity powers. And he busts out. He's like an electromagnet. It's just I, I was all the way in. I thought it, Ernest, Ernest was a, a god to me. I saw every Ernest. I just like, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm all the way in on Ernest. All I'm glad to hear in. that because there's Ernest goes to jail is a perfect example of like a movie that might not add to, to honor's point. Like as a whole, it's weird, man. It is like, especially like, dude, I watched that when I was like eight, you know what I mean? Yeah. And like, and, and it's like, dude, I'm about to watch a guy get like, I thought about electrocution a lot after that as a kid to be like, yeah, you know, I don't know, man, that's pretty heavy, but there. So as a movie, yeah, in rewatch, it might not hold up, but there, see, there are scenes I'll occasionally come back to the scene where Ernest is at jury is serving jury duty. And this is like prior to him getting and he bite he's he's like (laughs) taking notes and he's chewing on like a big pen and he bites through the ink thing. And Mm -hmm. him sitting there for an extended painful scene of trying to conceal the ink by eating it and it's it's just it gets dude it it is still a genius work of of physical comedy i honestly i'm yes i think anybody who watches that movie that is a scene you take away from it i that is such a specific memory and scene in my mind that i watched it like cried laughing as a kid rewound (laughs) like the pen scene like it's just absolutely yeah, it's hilarious. You could watch you if you don't feel like diving into that insane plot, just watch the Ernest Penn scene in the court. It's it's like yeah. it's it's oh man, the guy was uh, like comedically even his character work, remember he'd like play the grandma and he'd play like the snake wrangler, like he yeah. always played these certain like like uh, the characters within his movies, those are yeah. also like the grandma that was all up in here and all that. And it was like, and he beat a snake wrangler. And it was all like, just like character work for days. Yeah. Not to mention Ernest, a character. That's not him. He's like Ernest P. World. Like dude was amazing. R.I.P. A real freaking guy. And if we're going to be on Ernest, Ernest Saves Christmas, probably actually the best Ernest. It's really, really a great Christmas movie. It's up there. It, well, and the well, and the other thing too is he could match this sort of like for all the the levity and kind of good naturedness of Ernest, because Ernest is just like the best dude, you know. Right. There, right. It, they did inject some real darkness in those movies. Like there's a scene, like the, the, spoiler alert, if anyone's seen Ernest goes to camp <laughs> thirty years later, but like yeah. there, they, it ends with a guy trying to shoot Ernest point blank in the face with a rifle. Like yeah, it's dude, a kids movie, it gets real. Know? And not to mention Ernest scared stupid. So scary when I was a kid. The monsters in that movie, 
is still gross to this day, like very yeah. scary. I was like, I don't like this movie. It's too scary. I just want more earnest jokes. Like, why do we have to go? And even <laughs> in Ernest Goes to Jail, his bad guy counterpart is like super sleazy, like scheming on the girl, yeah. like all up on her. I'm like, this is not how Ernest acts. He's not this yeah. way to women. It's very disturbing to see him there. But Ernest went there. Ernest yeah. went there. Well, I, I, I'm glad I'm glad that you're a confirmed Ernest fan because oh. I feel like a true children of the 90s, they, only they can really appreciate what he could do. Yeah, I, I went deep. Even in like the going to like the video store, he would do like these Ernest commercial movies. I've seen his whole body of work, whole body. <laughs> All right. So you have you have Naked Gun and mm-hmm. you have uh, Biodome. All right. Mm-hmm. What do you have at number three on your list, Blake? Okay, number three. I'm. This is not only a great comedy movie, but maybe the best movie ever of all time. Okay. I don't know, but oh, it's sitting wow. at number three. Mrs. Doubtfire. There oh, it is. Nice. I absolutely love that as a film, and it just so happens to be a comedy. I just think it's like still to this day, you can watch Miss Doubtfire. You laugh the whole way, and there are moments where you genuinely want to cry. Like it is so heartfelt and touching and like about like divorce home and like a dad just really trying to be there for his kids. But then at the end of the day, it's Robin Williams as a grandma, just killing it, killing it. So good. Well, I, I want to dig into that aspect of there's a like you said there's a juxtaposition with this movie and there's this heaviness hanging over it where mm-hmm. this is about a fam this is about a family breaking up and this is about mm-hmm. you know what it's like as not just from the kids' perspective but a parents of like dude this sucks like we got to figure something out a way for us to stick together but to your point it's hilarious and if you watch oh, it so you know if you watch it in retrospect just scene to scene it's super rewatchable how hard is it when you're producing comedy to balance those heavier ideas that maybe give a project heart but still keep that levity that seems like a very kind of tonal tight walk how difficult is that as like someone who's a comedy writer too i mean you know i think it's what's it's super hard it's also what like separates not only like a, a comedy cult classic from like like a critically accl- acclaimed comedy. You know, a lot of times you see it through award shows and all that. Comedy is always like the 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 bad stepchild of the family. Nobody nobody refuse yeah. everybody just like refuses to even acknowledge it as a, a proper form of of cinema, you know? But like yeah. With movies like Mrs. Doubtfire, you really see that it is a good film at heart. It's not just funny. You know, I we're talking about I love a stupid comedy as much as anybody else in this world. But when you can really make a good, funny movie, it's it's just like, yeah, it, it's 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 forever. You're like it to me. That is that is the money spot, you know? Yeah. Hey, now, how how much did Robin Williams, because Robin Williams is an interesting character, particularly kind of his mm-hmm. 90s time, because mm-hmm. peak Robin Williams now, in hindsight, if you're looking back at his life, his influence in his career, you know, late 70s, early 80s, when he was doing these stand-up specials and was just like, again, one of these guys who's just a force of nature and that people couldn't mm-hmm. look away from. And there was a time where he's the biggest stand-up star in the world. He's got Mork and Mindy. He's got this big primetime show. And the 90s come... And some of the projects are kind of hit or miss, right? Like mm-hmm. you can tell he's taking some swings, big but swings. Mrs. Doubtfire, yeah, yeah, big swings. But <laughs> Miss Doubtfire really seems like it hit that sweet spot. What was your what's your relationship with kind of his body of work, Robin Williams? Yeah, you know, I think it was always this thing where, like, for like people who were the generation before us, like dads and stuff, Robin Williams was like this, like almost like this coked out madman of comedy yeah. that was like yeah. just like 8000 miles a minute like but you knew it was just like he was a 80s comedian that was just you were just pedal to the metal but then yeah. like my robin williams was like yeah it was like 90s robin williams so it's like he but he is kind of in the pocket he like is he's he's the freaking genie in in aladdin you know yeah. like yeah. he's he's a blockbuster he's he's money in the bank for sure but then yeah you're also this was the hook like hook was amazing like he's he he was like one of the first actors in my young mind that i started to clock like 
wait, this is like the guy in Hook is also the guy in Mrs. Doubtfire. Like it started to register me to me what it who what an actor was as opposed to like you just watch the movie as if it's almost real, you know, like this character yeah. is 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 in this movie and it doesn't exist outside of that. So I started to clock like, whoa, this dude's actually like super talented and I want to watch everything he's in. It just so happened that in the 90s, then he like dropped toys and you were like, wait, what? This movie sucks, yeah. dude. Well, yeah, what, what the heck? Is, what is Patch Adams about? Yeah, it's like, what? Yeah. Yeah. Or, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's like, hey, I don't know about this one. Yeah. I was like, not even Robin Williams can save this movie. And that dude is like, I feel like it was impossible for him to flop for a while. So it was just like, yeah, that's kind of he was like my first idea of like what the job of like an actor was in like making a movie really pop. And then also watching a movie not even be able to be saved by somebody so awesome. Yeah. Well, I, you know, kind of speaking of 90s movies that had that, those, because I do feel like that is a movie that on the surface, it's Robin Williams dressed up as like uh, a nanny. Okay. Yes. So elevator pitch done. Okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But yeah, we'll it's got it. all these, the- yeah, it's got these themes of like family and fatherhood and kind of mm-hmm. mourning and grief. And, you know, and I was thinking about other 90s movies that are able to balance kind of bigger ideas, which is a funny setup. And one I wanted to get your take on, and you probably get asked about this one a lot, is Office Space, which came around mm-hmm. later in the decade you know but it it kind of set the tone for a new kind of workplace comedy where part the 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 joke wasn't just hey we're in the same you know we work at the same place behind the bar or you know at the coffee Mm -hmm. shop or whatever the joke was man working in an office sucks like you know there's this way of life and you've seen that theme kind of explored in in like the office and workaholics and different kind of pieces Mm -hmm. since then were you did you and again the office space is kind of a cult classic that kind of flew under the radar when it came out were you Mm -hmm. an office space fan as well in the night in the kind of late 90s yeah i very specifically remember office space you know that kind of that kind of hit me while i was still in high school and we had a friend who like was obsessed with office space. So we almost kind of had to like take the counter just to be like, it's not that good, dude. You need to chill out. Like it's, <laughs> yeah. it's no big Lebowski or whatever. Yeah. But yeah. Um, yeah. What was super awesome about office space and felt unique is it was, it was like mining the comedy from like the, the sad parts of life. Yeah. It like was yeah. presenting the, you were laughing at how like monotonous and like terrible and just like, everything just kind of sucked. It was like bucking back. Like yeah. your job sucks. Your coworkers suck. Your boss sucks. Like you, you like what is even life at this point? I, de- I've, that's definitely when I started to get more into like my existential mind, you know, it was, yeah. it wasn't fun and games anymore. You laugh at the tragedy of life. So yeah, I, I mean, and I would say that that's a comedy that, you know, only gets better with time just because, you know, as you get older, you're, you're more willing to 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 sit in that world and laugh at those kind of jokes as opposed to just like the silly character. It's like, oh, this is like, yeah, you're laughing at the tragedy of life. Yeah, well, and and that's like what kind of the initial hook when you see something like Workaholics is, is, you know, these guys obviously are like, dudes that who's up to life up to now has been pretty fun like life mm-hmm. kind of centered on hey man we're just having a good time we're hanging out with our, our buds we got a house and all this but then you have this cold hard reality of like dude this might be forever man we might be you right. know working at a telemarketing place what tell me a little bit about the inspiration you know because you had these comedies from the 90s that were able to balance some of this like the the heavy with that tension when you guys were kind of ideating because you you three you uh Anders and I were making video you know comedy together for a while and filmmakers mm-hmm. when did it kind of say okay we need to do something that is our take on this sort of workplace uh um you know challenge that all of us are going to have to face soon what was kind of the impetus for that yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, when we initially started out like our sketch comedy group, you know, mail order comedy, we were making internet videos and we always kind of leaned into the silliness. We were always kind of, our, our, our comedy really came from being silly, like high energy, you know, probably because we all were raised on these movies. Um, and it kind of came to us an opportunity to, f- we we just got this location of this like pretty much empty, like, like cubicle area, like this warehouse of just cubicles. And it was kind of like a moment of us sitting around and it's like, you know, we've 
never really done any sketches where we just wear like ties. Like truly yeah, just came yeah. from like, we just never have had like a, a collared shirt or a tie on. It's always so casual. It's like, where can our minds go if we are in a world that has rules and we don't get to be silly yeah. or we have to be silly within a world of rules. So it kind of like became appealing to us, like a challenge, like, huh, that would be cool. And I think that's like also just like the the energy that flowed throughout the rest of the show where it was like, yeah, you're in this world of rules and adults and paying bills, but like, just like you do in day to day with your real friends, you don't sit there and, and sulk all day. You make the best of it. You yeah. get the 30 rack, you go home and you have a, a beer pong tournament, just you yeah. and two other friends. And it's just like, it's just all about like, you still have those those things you need to get done, but they come last. The first thing you got to do is, you know, enjoy life and have fun with your friends. And that's just kind of just yeah. the antithesis of the of the entire show. Yeah. Well, I, you know, I want because I think it, looking at Mike Judge's kind of info, or at least from a fan perspective, I could see hints of office space, hints, hints of that kind of commentary. But also another kind of thing that was big for me in the 90s was when like Beavis and Butthead debuted mm-hmm. on MTV. And it was you were allowed to kind of have fun at the expense of people that were kind of like you and your friends. You know, mm-hmm. like it felt like it didn't feel like mean spirited towards kind of the stonery skater kids that yep. a lot of us grew up with. You know, mm-hmm. the, the kids that were kind of making sketchy bike ramps and, you know, like <laughs> it was like, no, it's in on the joke. And and it's interesting because the same guy that obviously did Office Space did Idiocracy and Beavis and Butthead and, yeah. and King of the Hill and, you know, mm-hmm. a, a lot of these 90s staples. Were you influenced by his? Do, would you consider Mike Judge an influence? Oh, 1000 percent. Yeah, I think you hit it on like the nail on the head. He somehow he took Beavis and Butthead who are like. Two of the, if you look at them, they're just dumb, like teenagers. They're so yeah. dumb. They, 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 their collective IQ has got to be quite low, but <laughs> they were also the coolest guys in culture. They were yeah. like a cartoon, but for some reason, you looked at these dumb guys and you said, it's actually cool to be dumb because you're yeah. just, you know, you, and I think that's a lot of what our characters and workaholics are is like collectively, the three of us are pretty damn dumb, but that's yeah. also a very fun person to laugh at and with, but also it comes with this blissful ignorance. Like the rest of the world may be so uptight and so obsessed yeah. with like the severity of everything that's at stake. And then if, when you're so dumb and ignorant to those things, you kind of allows yourself to have these weird youthful, like excitement and, and joys out of the small things in life, like playing frog baseball, like Beavis and Butthead yeah. did, where it's like, wow, that is so dumb. But part of me is like, yeah, when I was that young, was I might stuff find we a doing. dumb frog and hit it with a bat and see who can yeah. hit it further. It's like absolute insanity. And you know the pull those stupid cartoon characters had on children? Like they literally yeah. had to put a warning at the beginning of the show because kids were like burning their houses down because they're <laughs> playing with fire because they're like fire, fire, fire. It was yeah. just like, it, it was insane. And yeah. iconic characters for sure. But it's, yeah, it's all about kind of laughing with and at the the dumbest form of yourself. Yeah, yeah. Well said. All right, so we have, uh, all right, Mrs. Doubtfire, number three. What do you got for number two, Blake? Okay, number two, it's, you know, it's it kind of goes with the story. It's kind of a, a dual thing, but I'm going with Ace Ventura 2, When Nature Calls, okay? I'm going with the sequel to Ace Ventura, which, you know, if we're making a proper list, Ace yeah. might even be number one. The first Ace, probably number one. But yeah. I'm going with number two just because I feel like it's a little more personal to me. Because as you know, Ace Ventura was like, uh, it, it, I mean, to me, yeah, it's number one. I'd like, yeah. I, I watched it eight bazillion times. It was probably the first movie that I like memorized every single line. It was like any sleepover you went to, whenever you yeah. you just watched that movie. Complete yeah. game changer. Then number two came out. And I feel like it was kind of the first time I logged like, Oh damn! There's another ace coming out. Like, <laughs> yeah. oh, this is about to be so tight. Like, go to the theater. Dang, it's like it's gonna be like the first time. I know it. I'm going to piss my pants laughing. I'm gonna come away with eight million quotes. Like, let's go. You get done with the movie, and it was like, oh no! Like, 
when Nature's Calls wasn't that good. What the hell? It was kind of stupid. Yeah. So I had to sit with that fact. Still bought it on VHS. And I made a point that every day, like I believe it was junior high, I would come home. I put in uh, When Nature Calls. Yeah. I watched it so many times that I started to love it. It's like one of my favorite movies. Now, I think it's actually really freaking awesome. It's just like a dude, good I'm album. So- you have to sit with it, you know? <laughs> exactly. It, you know, <laughs> dude, I'm so glad you said it. I re- it's the first movie. I, I, you know, I don't, I'm not sure. I can't remember what year it was, but I was probably, I couldn't drive yet. I know that. So yeah, I think I was no. probably like 13 maybe. And, <laughs> yeah. I, and a kid took, had a birthday party, just me and two other dudes. And he was like, hey, my parents are going to drop us off at the movies, which was cool as you're, when you're 12 yeah. or 13. And you're going to go, and we, I saw it. I went back to the movies two more times to watch it because there yeah. are some scenes because Ace Ventura 1 uh, obviously is a classic to your point is a classic of the genre right Unreal. unassailable it, it, it is it is Jim Carrey going full on Jim Carrey like oh, it's yeah. it's probably the purest distilled uncut Jim Carrey that we have right every just, scene is money but in Ace Ventura 2 you know they really leaned into a lot of sight gags which mm-hmm. ended up you know in hindsight, some of these have aged really well. Like that, there's a scene where he is operating a mechanical rhinoceros. I mean, if you weren't going to say it, I was going to say it. <laughs> and so, for anyone who somehow has not seen this scene, because it's kind of taken on new life in the in, in the YouTube era, people will just yes. go back to it. He's in this mechanical rhinoceros, and this will tell you how highbrow uh, Ace Ventura <laughs> too is. Yeah, uh, but he's in this mechanical rhino uh, trying to spy on a a a, a transaction that is mm-hmm. you know about like you know poaching. Yeah, yeah. And he's a big animal guy, so he can't let that happen. Mm-mm. So he's hiding the mechanical rhino in the middle of sub-Saharan Africa <laughs> and starts just roasting alive inside yeah, of it. it shuts down. So it's super hot. He's like, he's going to die in this rhino. So <laughs> he takes off all his clothes in an effort to, to you know, uh, uh, to cool down. And he ends up... <laughs> tearing out of the back of the rhino and it looks like it is giving birth this rhino is giving birth to a sweaty jim carrey as a jeep full like a family pulls up that scene alone when i was a kid i just could not believe i was seeing it you know like it really pushed the the boundaries of what i thought was even possible in the like i remember i watched over the weekend i watched bad trip the eric Mm -hmm. andre's uh netflix movie and there are a few scenes in that where it's like it did the same thing. I can't believe this is happening. And I am yeah. dying. I, I'm wheezing. I'm laughing so hard. Yeah. You know, I feel like that's one of the legacies of Ace Ventura 2 is just mm-hmm. this ratcheting it up. It, you know, there's a great combat scene with Tommy Davison that's really funny, but yeah, it's also violent. I mean, he's getting yeah. stabbed in the legs with spears. How much How much is that kind of, and I see this, I, I want to say in Game Over, man, this sort of extreme pushing of physical limits to make the audience not really not so much uncomfortable but out of what their comedy comfort zone is when you guys were making uh, uh game over man and there's a scene mm-hmm. where mm-hmm. um in Daniel Stern. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, there's a couple scenes. I won't give it away, but <laughs> yeah. there's a couple scenes that really kind of, you know, push limits in hilarious ways. How much was those sort of 90s no holds barred comedies in your mind? Like like that scene in Ace Ventura too when you guys are pushing the limits like that. Yeah, you know, it's the, it's the art of the shock value. Like the shock value in comedy has always been so alluring to me because comedy allows you to really like get get taboo you know it allows yeah. you to to approach subjects and things and 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 scenarios that are so like out of this world or so in this world that people don't even want to like day to day think about but if you really had to put yourself in these things you have to find the comedy in it if you yeah. don't laugh at it it's like you're you're <laughs> you're going to you're going to break down and cry if you really think of the realities of the situation but yeah like that kind of like shock value comedy has always been like what it just brings the absolute deepest laughter from my body. I think that's why I'm like obsessed with jackass movies and all that, where you're just like, Oh my God. Like, I can't believe this dude is straight up covered in porta potty (laughs) diarrhea. I just want (laughs) to like, it's just like insane, like total insane. Like whose mind you go, you, you say to yourself, Whose mind thinks of this shit? They gotta be yeah. so <laughs> sick. Something is wrong with this person. But damn, yeah. if it isn't funny as heck. But I also think like with that, like 
and and this may may go like with the rhinoceros in Ace Ventura Two, which is such an awesome iconic scene. I just like yeah, can't get it out of my head. I, ever since I saw it, I'm like this is amazing. Just speaking to being like a comedy writer, it's like it's the art of a a set piece writing to a set piece like. You may like I guarantee they probably didn't have anything done with that movie, but somewhere in Jim Carrey's mind, he's like, yo, I got this idea. And I it's like I'm in this mechanical rhino power goes out. I'm going to die if I don't exit. The only thing there is is a hole where the butthole is and I get burnt and and that's all I have. And that's all I have. And you guys start there and then they might have wrote the whole damn movie just around that set piece. But when you're in the theater as the people who made that movie, you're like. Just stay with us, guys, because as soon as you get to this part, you're going to leave the theater. Even if the movie sucked, you're going to leave it going, hey, remember that scene? Holy yeah. shit. And sometimes as as a comedian, that's good enough for me. If you have yeah. that like, iconic, timeless, legendary scene, and but the movie's kind of forgettable, people will still pop it in just to show people that scene, you know? And I feel like there was probably no better decade that captured that more. I mean, you have the something about Mary with like the comb scene where mm-hmm. Cameron Diaz, you know, does her hair with, uh, you know, some unfortunate uh, hair <laughs> yeah. product. Yeah. Uh, but then when you have, when you just look at the, if you just look at the work of Jim Carrey in a vacuum too, it mm-hmm. was like, you know, there's a scene in Dumb and Dumber where a police officer drinks from a bottle of urine and yeah. it's the same set. It's like, okay, what's the set? Okay. We got this dumb van where these guys are making where it comes across the country and they get pulled over by a cop and they just peed in a beer bottle. Yeah, Let's see what, you know, it's a- exactly. Me, myself, and Irene, Jim Carrey comes across a cow that's dying in the middle of the road. He takes it upon himself to put it out of its misery. Of course, it <laughs> yeah. doesn't go down easy. Like, it's like <laughs> you can just take these scenes. You don't even have to watch the film. You can just watch the scene and you just, you come away. It's almost like a sketch within the movie. That's yeah. probably how they wrote a lot of these twos. It's like just sketch to sketch and string it together with a narrative. Yeah. Well, I, I'm uh, I'm interested in what your number one is because I feel like I feel like Jim Carrey looms so large over nineties yeah. comedies in general. But I but I appreciate the pick with Ace Ventura too because thank you, it's thank not you. the obvious one, but it is one that I feel like again people will rewatch Ace Ventura too for a long time. I have a son who's like eight, and I'm like he's probably close enough. Like yeah. that was about you, you know can, I could probably the fire up. going. Let's go. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely, <laughs> your balls are showing. Yeah, there's <laughs> yeah. just so many great. Bumblebee tuna. Come on. Bumblebee tuna. Yeah. Oh, so funny. All right. All right, Blake. No pressure. Number one. And then I then I got a little lightning round. I want to get your takes on a couple 90s uh, comedies. Yes, and absolutely. And you know, so many had to be left off my list. And I think the the reason I put my number one at number one is just kind of an homage to a great who was taken too early from us and too soon. And uh, it's our boy Chris Farley in the movie Mm. Tommy Boy. I had to go with Tommy Boy. It's just like uh, you, uh, just when I think about the movie, nothing but like warmth and good thoughts come over me. It's so funny. It's a great film. And it's just like embodies like the spirit of Chris Farley to me so much where it was just like such a lovable, fun, energetic dude. Yeah. And it's just like when you watch that movie, you and, and and what I think is a super cool thing about comedy and like what I feel like workaholics. I feel like we tapped into it is like you watch Tommy boy and you say, man, I want to be a friend. I want to be Tommy's friend. He seems yeah. like such yeah. a cool friend to have like down for whatever positive the ripping bongs at the beginning and fought like a little yeah. bit of a fuck up, but a, like a great, great dude where it was like, and yeah, and, and David Spade plays such a great straight man and gets yeah. so many jokes off. And every time he's like, like just going in on on Chris Farley, you're like, hey man, leave him alone, dude. He's cool. Yeah. He's got yeah. your back. But it, it's just like, yeah, it's just such a like warm, awesome comedy. Well, well, and that's that's what kind of because Tommy Boy, any like I said, that that is it's on the Mount Rushmore of mm-hmm. ninety, and maybe of all comedies. Like, but yeah, for sure. Th- th- but what I love about it, and again, something I kind of see in your guys' work is. You know, there is a lot of there's some shock value, there's some physicality, there's really good dialogue, mm-hmm. you know, and it goes in a lot of these. There's a lot to kind of just chew on as a comedy fan, like, oh man, they're, they're setting it up funny here. But at the core is like a goodness, like you said, like, yeah, yeah he's he's kind of a goofball. And, you know, there, you know, the David Spade's character is kind of a jerk. And mm-hmm. but at the core, 
it's these people that are trying to figure it out and they're good people at their core. Mm-hmm. A lot of comedy avoids that, right? A lot of comedy doesn't want, especially kind of like in the Seinfeld era where, and I love Seinfeld. That's not yeah. me, you know, but like you see Seinfeld or Larry David or like Always Sunny. Like I love those shows. I love yeah, me them. Me too, yeah. But but they're bad people, right? <laughs> like they're, you they're never, kind of jerks. They're kind of yeah. jerks. But Tommy Boy and the Workaholics guys, they're good they're good people. And I feel like it wasn't until after the nineties that really comedy would, would let bad people just be bad people. Why did you guys want to take workaholics in a direction that I would say is more in that kind of Tommy boy nineties versus that kind of cynical, always sunny kind of route. Why did you want to take workaholics the other direction? Yeah. I mean, I, I think that was actually like a thing that we thought about a lot because, you know, before we got workaholics, we had saw always sunny, like the pilot for it. And we were like, damn, this is so, so funny. And, you know, like, I feel like our comedic sensibility was very on par with them. And like, you know, with the shock value, like you could see with us and with always sunny, you kind of take like the one thing that people would be like, what? Like, like, I don't know, like juggalos, you're going to go, you're going to go take on juggalos. It's like, who thinks of this stuff? But we were like, well, always sunny. Like the thing that makes them so funny is they're just despicable people. They're terrible. They're rotten to the core. They're going to come up with the meanest, worst idea coming from like a bad place of like making money or whatever. So we were very much like, we want to come up with the worst stupid idea coming from like the, just the dumb place, the friendship place. Like we can't come up with a better idea. Our our best idea is a terrible idea. And it's, it's not out of being malicious. It's just like, let's get the friendship family together. Let's throw the brains together. And what can we come up with? And I think you see a lot of that with Tommy boy too, where it's like, this dude is really trying to put his best foot forward. He's really trying his best. It's just, he just isn't equipped with the goods to get it done the right way. Yeah. Well, it's interesting that that ends up on top of your list because I feel like when you look at, when you look at your, your kind of on-screen trio that, that, Mm -hmm. you you know, most people associate, a lot of people associate with is, you know, your, your character is always kind of the heart at the, you know, I think about the episode early on where, um, you know, Adam is doing, is getting into bodybuilding. Mm -hmm. Uh, um, you know, Anders is trying to seduce his like, you know, uh, cougar, uh, uh, girlfriend and Mm -hmm. Blake's right in the middle. And, but you see that all all the time in 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 a lot of the the episodes where whether it's Jillian or or Blake is trying to hold this crew together yeah you know when you're when you were kind of crafting his character where obviously you know Anders has more of this kind of arrogance Adam mm-hmm. has these like you can tell really deep insecurities that he's trying to hide through yes. all these other ventures where Blake's just like the good dude trying to trying to help his buddies stay together why did you want to take your character kind of in that direction I mean, you know, I I like to think it it comes from myself, like a true place. Yeah. Like I am, I've always been so down for my dude crews within my life. Like I grew up with a very close knit set of like seven friends who we were just all we we had. We didn't really like. It wasn't that we were like weird, strange, like creepy dudes in the yeah. corner of the high school. But it was like instead of going out to like the the big parties, we stayed home and played magic with each other. And like yeah. magic, the gathering, the card game, yeah. we weren't practicing yeah. illusions. <laughs> which, that'd be cool, too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that would be cool, yeah. too. I was going to say, they're, in hindsight, probably both equally kind of nerdy at the time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But like we were into like, yeah, you know, playing cards and then like shooting stuff on like our video cameras. Like we were what we had. We were we were our, our, our friendship family. So like uh, yeah. I, a lot of that, I feel like I, I came with that to the, w- the table with that in the character of Blake. And yeah, I think it was just like, also like comedically the way we always looked at it, it was kind of like Durs was daddy bear, Blake was mommy bear and Adam was baby bear, you know? And yeah. that was kind of the, the, the thing you were playing with. Those were the the character archetypes you had. So you kind of be like, well, how would this person, how would they react? And they all mix in their ways and you can mix them 8 million different ways or at least seven seasons. Worth yeah. Of yeah. Yeah. There, yeah. Well, all right. Couple, uh, one omission, which this is a criticism. I just want your, your take. No, absolutely. Because I, I love I've your picks. A couple. But uh, there's there's no the the obvious one I feel like is though Sandler on the list. There's not Billy Madison or Happy Gilmore. Are you a Sandler guy or because I know sometimes people are just like hey, she's never my thing. Like what what's your what's your '90s Sandler take? One thousand percent 
Sandler guy. Billy Madison okay. is hilarious. Probably my favorite of the few, even though Happy Gilmore is a close second. I just rewatched Happy Gilmore. <laughs> I can now that I've like been in the industry, I'm like, this movie looks cheap. Like yeah. it looks like it was shot on a budget. But the thing that was cool about Adam Sandler movies is, you know, he I feel like he's kind of stuck a little more into the world of reality, but then he would make like the strangest jokes in his movies, like even beyond the other guys, like where you would go into Billy Madison's dream world and a clown like breaks his head open. And then he's like, I'm alive again. And does anybody have gum or gum? And just like you almost, it almost felt like you were in his inside jokes and you're like, Ooh, one day I, I think I'm going to understand, but this is just strange. So I really appreciated the the swings he would take within his movies, like his dream sequences and all that. And I mean, I've only grown as a Sandler fan now, like with what he did with like Uncut Gems and all that. Oh. And I just he's also a super cool dude. He was like Kyle got to work with him on Murder Mystery. Kyle, our director from yeah, Workaholics. Yeah. And I went to visit him on set in Italy. It's like the oh, first wow. time I've been to Europe, which was sick. And Sandler was so cool. Just like chopped me up. I was wearing an A's hat. So we just talked baseball. And like, even before that, he used to invite us to like Chris, his Christmas party that he used to have out here. And he's just like such a cool dude. And he, I just know he like has taken his group of friends and brought him them along with him the whole yeah. way. And yeah. that is almost like, that's kind of the dream of the industry to be able to just reach back and bring all your homies with you. So I, I think every aspect of Adam Sandler, I'm a, I'm a huge fan of. So, okay, uh, I'm glad to hear big, big Sandler guy too, yeah. especially those two movies, like back to back. My mind was blown oh, the yeah. first time I saw both of them. Like, oh. I, I just couldn't believe a movie could get away with it. Okay. So another one I want to ask you about is, you know, in, in the nineties, there was like a string and you're, I know you're, I'm a big baseball, I'm a Washington Nationals fan. So I, you know, mm -hmm. but, uh, but big Congrats. baseball guy <laughs> and I, and I, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. World Series a couple of seasons ago. Yeah, um, yeah. so we'll still take it. Yeah, it was, it, it was it, back it, when life was normal. So exactly, we're, it was we're like the last yours. good World Series yeah. that we had. Yeah. You know? we'll give um, you that. Yeah. So, but I wanted to ask because these are, I feel like my love of baseball was probably formed partly because of the movies I saw as a kid. You know, obviously there was like the easy ones like Sandlot or mm -hmm. like, but then you had sort of these weird ones that were like, you know, um, Little Big League where the kid inherits a baseball team and, yeah, and plugs himself in line. Rookie of the year. Rookie of the year. Angel, that, dude. Angels in the outfield. Okay. A rookie of the year. I, you know, that could have easily gone in my number one slot. Um, I absolutely <sighs> love that film. There's, so much to take away from it. And yes, it, it it only made me love the sport of baseball more, but it's also like one of those movies, like if you saw it at the right age, you're totally putting yourself in the shoes of this, of, of Harry Rowan Gardner, you know, like, yeah. oh, dude, I could be pitching for a major league. I could be striking out Barry Bonds. Yes. Like insane. And I mean, we wanted to touch upon it, but Daniel Stern, his yes. performance in that movie is absolutely hilarious. Hot it's ice. Hot ice. <laughs> yeah. Like he's like, <laughs> there's this moment in like a hotel where like this guy comes to and he'd like to get a tip and he's like, thank you. He's like, <laughs> and they're just like staring at each other. And then the dude leaves and, and Daniel Stern just goes, nice guy. And you're just like, yes. Like he could just kill it with two words. He's just like, it, he's just a juggernaut in that movie. It's unreal. And that's another person that I've had the chance to work with. Turns out the the best dude. Like if I could take away anything from anybody I've met, Daniel Stern was by far like the coolest guy we met. I, I was interested in asking that because, you know, well, one, that movie is just iconic. When he gets stuck between the adjoining door, yeah. little help, little help. Little help. That, that's one I would I would rewind with my brother like over and over when we would just watch it just because that was so funny. But then you think about Daniel Stern, you know, in Home Alone. Uh, honestly, like rewatching them now, I got kids who want to watch Home Alone at Christmas. Mm -hmm. He's the funniest one every scene. Oh, you know, absolutely. His scream is through yeah. the roof. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> he okay. knew he knew what he's doing. 
All right, this is a deep cut, but do you have a Bushwhack take? I remember Bushwhack was a, yes. a movie that, you know, it was sort of, so I think the backstory was Daniel Stern had kind of been a character actor, a character guy in some of these bigger franchises, but never was the guy. And mm-hmm. he got cast in this kind of, it's a, a movie that's surprisingly kind of dark too. Like it's about yeah. like kidnapping and stuff, but he's like this, I'm trying to remember all the plot he, points, but he ends up having to lead a kid, kids through like this wilderness thing but they don't know he's involved in all this criminal stuff that he's trying to hide it was right. such a weird movie but I he's running from kid. the law and and he hides out by being like a scout leader sort of yeah. taking these <laughs> kids out on a on a wilderness adventure man yeah. i haven't thought of that movie in so long but yes bushwhack was my shit dude yeah. i loved that film i would have to rewatch that I've thought about it. I'm like, dude, I wonder, I don't even know where I can rent bushwhack these days, but, <laughs> but I'm glad to hear Daniel Stern was a cool guy because I've, I feel like, I feel like there was an episode of workaholics. Maybe I'm wrong, but where uh, the funky butt loving got, mm-hmm. uh, 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 the reference got dropped. I'm like, yes, yeah, so, yeah, these guys know. So, yeah. so were you guys, were, did you chop it up? Because well, I mean, he's also the voice of the wonder years. I mean, the guy has, you know, had a crazy legacy Were I, I know obviously as you know, you're a fan, but also you're working with him professionally as a, as mm-hmm. a colleague. How weird is it? Some of these guys that you grew up watching that you're doing a scene with, how hard is it not to kind of geek out or drop like a, a, you know, a rookie of the year reference? Yeah. Or just like start crying and be like, you raised me, man. I don't think you understand <laughs> what you mean. No, it, it, I think that's what was so cool about uh, Daniel Stern is like in the, like between scenes, he was so available to talk and he was just also like, almost in a weird way at first where it was like, he was so like about like, yo guys, like congratulations, like what you're doing. Cause he did a episode of workaholics as well. And yeah, that's right. That's and, right. Yeah. Yeah. And he was just like, like you guys did it. Like, this is it. This is the dream. You guys are living the dream. And you know, workaholics was our first thing. We were like, every project's like this. It's your best friends. You make a TV yeah. show. That's a, a hit. Right. And he's, yeah. he's like, no, like that's not how it works out. Like people, yeah. there's actors that have been doing this for decades that don't get the opportunity that you guys have made for yourself. So he was just like such a grounding, like cool, like, you know, Zen master on set of like, just being like, yo, like really guys, congrats. You guys did it. And just, uh, appreciate every moment of this because it's really so cool and it was just like wow that's really awesome man yeah, yeah. that is cool yeah he was really cool like that though that's that's good to hear man all right so blake i'm gonna throw a couple and you just give me like a two seconds take and we'll just run through a couple because I'm, I'm interested okay friday amazing chris tucker out of this world ice cube it's a pivotal comedy pivotal uh half-baked half baked uh i i would need to rewatch i have a i i would i gotta rewatch that one i know it was okay. on comedy central a lot i may have only seen the edited version yeah and that really strips half bake of all you know <laughs> yeah, but I'm, it was dave chappelle jim brewer like og kind of amazing cast yeah, yeah, and isn't yeah. um Har- what's his Har- harlem what th- that other comedian he's the dude in jail the friend that's in jail yeah, i just yeah, remember yeah. those cutaways being very funny yeah yeah uh okay something about mary Amazing. I mean, Ben Stiller did an episode of Workaholics. That dude is so such a comedy legend. He makes it look effortless. He's another guy. His scene in Happy Gilmore. Oh, well, now your back's going to hurt because you just pulled landscaping, dude. He's such a weird psychopath and awesome, hilarious dude. He's played such crazy characters, but I also think he may be the funniest, like, straight man, like every every man of all time. Like, meet meet the or uh, meet the parents. It's like, oh my. God, you are so funny in that movie without being the funny guy. Yeah. Uh, okay. Um, uh, Big Lebowski. Amazing. Game changer. I mean, just like, yeah, one of those movies that's like, oh, wow, I just watched a really good film. Even though from time to time, I'll, I'll get stoned and watch it. And even though I've seen it a hundred times, if you get high enough, you forget the plot. It's so yeah. hard to follow. It's like, it really, what it is like this is Coen Brothers on? noir. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. But Coen Brothers probably like my favorite directors all time. So, oh, yeah, that, well, that, well, what's your favorite Coen Brothers just out of curiosity? I mean, Big Lebowski is definitely up there. So yeah. good. Barton Fink, really good movie, too. Like, yeah. I don't know. They're all so, so sick. I, I, yeah. They're all worth a watch. You can come away yeah. with something from all of them. Uh, Rushmore. Rushmore. 
I liked that is a like the first thing I think is Anders because that I think is Anders' favorite movie of all time. Um, okay. But Bill Murray, come on. Yeah, he's somebody we didn't even mention. I'm glad we're saying his name right now. Bill Murray, baby. What a goat. Yeah. Hey, do you feel like I remember like my dad was heavy into Bill Murray. I didn't really discover Bill Murray till after the nineties. Like I think because there's a subtlety to his humor that you don't really appreciate when you're like a teen. Well, I don't want to pay when you're a dumb teenager. Like I was (laughs) like, you know, I didn't really get it, but you know, he was like one of those old, he was like an OG kind of SNL. And he was again, Mm -hmm. kind of that dad humor, obviously Mm -hmm. with lost in translation and a lot of the movies he's done or a lot of his work with Wes Anderson. I've kind of really came to appreciate him, but groundhog day. Yeah. He was another guy in the, 90s that was just everywhere yeah he got a few like movies gloves off bill murray movies like where he was off the leash like caddyshack being super silly what about bob being super silly and it was like okay yeah i'm down for this uh, scrooged i love yeah. the movie scrooge yeah. and let's not forget ghostbusters i mean oh, he yeah. kills that movie but uh, i mean all the lines he plays yeah these are, this is adult comedy at this point you gotta just yeah. be looking at the subtleties of like wow like yeah you grow to learn like Another actor wouldn't say the line that way. Bill Murray just says it the Bill Murray way, and it's such a great choice. Yeah, he nails it every time. Well, Blake, before I let you go, man, what can we expect and when, or I don't know if you can say when, but what can we expect from the Workaholics movie? Oh, I mean, we're, 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 we're cracking the script now. So we're, we're definitely doing a bunch of our writing, writing sessions. I mean, I think there's so many expectations from fans and ourselves that we just want to make sure it, it rocks, but I think you can expect the gang being back together and, you know, just a lot of great cameos and a, a lot of fun. Awesome, man. Well, I can't wait. Is it, well, I guess we'll wait and see for a release date. Have you guys had, do you have retargeting or is it kind of too early to announce that? No official release date, but I would hope next year sometime. Yeah. All right. Probably early All right, next, next year. year. Sometime. <laughs> yeah. All right. Sounds good, man. We'll keep an eye out. Well, Blake, this was really fun, man. I really appreciate you coming on List It. Yeah, thanks. And thanks for reminding me to watch Bushwhacked. I'm going to I'm gonna check that out. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to be really disappointed if you, because I haven't seen it since I've been, you know, 13. So it could be terrible, but hey, in my mind, we, I next, liked it. No, we've got to rank camp movies next because it's Ernest Goes to Camp, Bushwhacked, and Camp Nowhere. These are all great films. Oh, and don't forget Heavyweights. God, that could be on my list. Heavyweights. Damn. Okay, real quick. <laughs> real, one quick Heavyweight take, dude. Ben Stiller's character in Heavyweights, if if there was just a, and I, I, I rewatch this as I rewatch heavyweights as an adult just for Ben Stiller scenes. Oh yeah. If Uncle it was Tony. just, if he was just in a, a movie as the psychotic, like your fitness trainer, yeah. I would, t- that movie yeah. is dark too, oh, man. It's so good. He's like, get on the scale, get off the scale, turn off the cameras. Oh, unbelievable. Unbelievable. Well, yeah. Yeah. All right. Next. Oh, and, and then salute your shorts. Another like great, oh, yeah. uh, you know, uh, Rushmore camp. of camp comedy. Yeah. Yeah. We'll do campy comedies next week. <laughs> Blake, this is fun, man. Yeah, very fun. Thank you. All right, everyone, that is it for this episode of Listed on the Ironclad Content Network. Hey, if you like the show, I know every podcast has to do it, but it really does help. If you like the show, leave a rating and review. I really appreciate it. All right, guys, we'll see you next time.